Welcome to the Language Games Podcast. My name is John Kaus. Today is part nine of our Van Til's Apologetic series. We continue on now to finish the, fir- the first inference in Van Til's Apologetic. So we have the four axioms. Uh, first one, the Bible plainly teaches that all people know with certainty that God created the world. Second axiom is the Bible plainly teaches that all people who know with certainty that God created the world know with certainty that the world is orderly. So if people know with certainty that God created the world, they know the world is orderly. And it teaches that they do know that God uh, made the, they do know with certainty that God created the world. So then they know with certainty that the world is orderly. Now, this Bible that teaches this claims its own inerrancy. It it is saying it, it is without error. And we cannot demonstrate that it is false, that teaches any falsehood. So from that then, we can infer that Christianity is a sufficient foundation for knowledge. Okay, the Bible, uh, Christianity provides a home for knowledge. It provides an interpretation of the world that is at home, that has a home for knowledge. Knowledge can breathe and live in the Christian interpretation of the world. You say, well, what do you mean by Christianity? Well, by Christianity, I just mean the worldview derived from the Bible's plain teachings. And this is what Van Til and Bonson uh, clearly taught. They're about worldview apologetics. Okay, Christianity is what they're trying to prove. Van Til writes, it has already become plain that this implies a refusal to grant that any area or aspect of reality, any fact or any law of nature or of history can be correctly interpreted except to be seen in the light of the main doctrines of Christianity. Which actually we're going to get into next time about how this is not just sufficient, but then necessary, you know, the only sufficient option. But notice that Van Til is talking about the main doctrines of Christianity. He's not just picking one and saying one is more important than the other. They are all together uh, part of this sufficient foundation, which is also necessary. He writes, thus there is absolutely certain proof for the existence of God and the truth of Christian theism. So when Van Til talks about the existence of God, He's also talking about the Christian worldview. He's not trying to talk about God in isolation from the Christian worldview. He means these things um, to be synonyms of each other. He writes, It is but to say that Christianity alone is rational. It is but to say that if one leaves the foundation of the presupposition of the truth of the Christian religion, one falls into the quagmire of the utterly irrational. No intelligent predication is possible except on the basis of the truth that is the absolute truth of Christianity. Christian apologetics must accordingly in practice be a vindication of the Christian world and life view as a whole. So Van Til was about worldview apologetics, improving the truth of the Christian worldview. And then Bonson says the first step, this is in Van Til's apologetic, is a positive presentation of the Christian worldview, showing that it does make sense out of science and logic and moral values, which is what we just did. Okay, so we, we provided a sufficient foundation for knowledge. We provided a home for knowledge by giving the Christian worldview. So we just did the positive presentation. All right, now you may say, what's a sufficient foundation for knowledge? Well, I would say, roughly, it's an, ad, it, an adequate description of the world in such a way that a person knows the world to be orderly. Now you may say, hey, I reject that. I reject that view of knowledge. And this is really comes up in the a direct acquaintance objection, which is typically given by uh, professional philosophers, analytic philosophers. 
And it goes something like this. I do not need to have a true worldview to function in this world. On this base level of understanding, things are directly apparent to me, like my own existence, that I am currently experiencing happiness, that the future will be like the past, etc. I know that this is my hand directly, regardless of how I view the world on some second order level. I can do science, I can reason about my experience, I can do all these things without any worldview, let alone your worldview. I reject that we even need a sufficient foundation for knowledge. We get along fine without it. I agree with part of this objection. I do think that we are directly acquainted with many truths in the world. I think God made the world to function that way. And I think it is foolish to doubt such truths. I am more than willing to grant them as assumptions. What I would disagree with is thinking that these assumptions can just hang in the air, as if we do not have to take a stance on worldview questions when using these assumptions. Beliefs come in clusters. We cannot avoid this. Wittgenstein writes, When we first begin to believe anything, what we believe is not a single proposition, it is a whole system of propositions. Light dawns gradually over the whole. He writes, What I hold fast to is not one proposition, but a nest of propositions. So we acquire them in clusters or groupings, and we hold them. Okay, we hold them fast in a nest of propositions. He says, There is no such thing as an isolated proposition, for what I call a proposition is a position in the game of language. You cannot take the belief, any belief, and take it out of the game, which means then it's surrounded by all sorts of other beliefs. So let's say you, you burn your finger. Okay? You, you immediately experience this pain. Okay? It's, it's immediate. You don't have to think about it. But with this, though, comes all sorts of other assumptions that you make about the world, like that you exist, that you, know, you are wherever you think, or let's say it's in your, in your house, that you're in your house, um, that your senses are reliable, that the world is uniform, that your memory is of this pain is reliable, and so on. And you could go through probably hundreds of beliefs like this that, that you form without even thinking about it. Beliefs arrive in clusters, and they're held in clusters. The direct acquaintance view of how we acquire beliefs is simply false. Just open your eyes and look around. People do not behave in, with isolated beliefs in complete isolation. Now, as you look around and observe man, you will notice that man's actions show him to hold certain fundamental assumptions about reality, one of them being that the world behaves in a uniform way. But the world does not have to behave this way. It is possible to conceive of a world that is not uniform, where tomorrow gravity behaves differently, where fire no longer burns my finger, where memory is unreliable. There is no metaphysical requirement that the world needs to be the way I assume it to be. Yet we need to assume that it is orderly to function and have knowledge. Okay, well, is our assumption correct? If we say yes, but have no evidence for it, then all of our actions are blind leaps in the dark. They're at best a 50-50 guess. Well, knowledge then is destroyed. Everything is a guess. If everything is a guess, then you, you, can't, you can't really make rational decisions. And you couldn't get to a place of knowledge from there. You would always be in the dark. Now notice, I am not requiring anyone to deny the assumption that nature is uniform. That would be foolish. I'm asking that we provide some evidence for this assumption. And this evidence typically takes the form of a worldview, of an interpretation of reality. This is how man functions. Look around and see 
for yourself. We do not hold beliefs in isolation and we put them together. We're, we're, we're holding fundamental beliefs about the nature of reality and that typically comes in a worldview. Okay, now you say, well, I accept belief in the clusters, but I don't want to commit myself to a worldview. Fine, you don't need to t call it a worldview, call it whatever you want, but you need to provide a home for knowledge. You assume that you have knowledge in this world, that this world can actually give life to knowledge. Well, what is your interpretation then of it? Because you assume one when you make these, these decisions. So what is it? Do you have an actual sufficient foundation for knowledge? That's what we're trying to get at. Now, if you deny this, then there's nothing really I can do for you. There's no real way to proceed in the, in the conversation. You're playing some other game that has no connection to this world. Knowledge must have a sufficient, a sufficient foundation. And as we saw in the inference, Christianity is one of those sufficient foundations. So returning to the argument, we have the first four axioms, and from that leads to the first theorem, that Christianity is a sufficient foundation for knowledge. Okay, is it, though, the only sufficient foundation for knowledge? As, Van, as you read in the Van Til quote, is it necessary, right? Is, is it, make knowledge, is it uh, required for us to have knowledge? We'll tackle that question next week. For more content like this, you can find us on x at underscore language games. See you next time.